Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. It is uh, Tuesday, January 15th. And do we have to change our titles of this now? Since there's no more co, what, what do we do? Tell me. I mean, I don't know. I I'm, don't not, know. I'm not driving this ship. And I'm in charge? I, all right, we need help. We need help bad. Okay, back up. Start over. <laughs> Start. Uh, yeah, so you kind of probably see where we were going with that. Um, there are no more co-offensive coordinators for the Michigan State football Spartans. There's uh, no co-anything. No. Co-defense. No, you're right. Co's are gone. Co's are out. So we're going to have to figure this out. One of us is going to have to figure something out here. I guess or I, maybe we could both be assistant head coaches. Maybe we need a, someone to be reassigned. Yeah. I'm open to other opportunities. You don't want to see me writing. But yeah. Mm-mm, no. Things could get dark quick. Um, all right. Tell well, me what happened. Listen, let's just dive into Tell it. me what Mr. D'Antonio did. Yeah. So as everybody who's listening to this undoubtedly knows, um, Michigan State last week went through a bit of a uh, I don't know what a to call reshuffling. it. A, yeah, a coaching shuffle. Um, obviously, what was on everybody's mind um, coming out of this obviously disappointing seven and six season was, you know, what does what is going to happen offensively with the coaching staff? You know, uh, the team scored what two touchdowns in their last four games against Rutgers. Against yeah, so does it really? So three so, games without a touchdown. Does it count? Um, and it was just bad all the way around and it had been getting consistently worse for the last three years and really longer than that. And so, you know, the question was, would Mark D'Antonio look outside the program, try to bring in some fresh voices, um, something like that. Uh, the answer turned out to be no. Uh, instead there was a coaching shuffle that reads like the following Brad Salem, your former quarterbacks coach became your offensive coordinator and remained the, or, and the running backs coach. Dave Warner was demoted to quarterbacks coach. Jim Bowman demoted from co-offensive coordinator to offensive line coach. Mark Staten moved from offensive line coach to tight end and special teams coach. Don Treadwell moved from freshman coach, I guess, to wide receivers coach. Terry Samuel moved from wideouts coach to assistant DB coach. And Mike Tressel, defensive coordinator, Sneaky, maybe the most important move here, was promoted uh, to assistant head coach in addition to his defensive coordinator duties. Um, Not to brag, but we called it. Yes. Yeah. So every once in a while we find something here. Uh, And, you know, 
I think the initial reaction by, from what I could tell, was overwhelmingly negative. John, I'd like to hear your take on the matter, please. To spit some hot fire. To steal a Judd Heathcote-ism, the good news is we have everyone back from last year. The bad news is we have everyone back from last year. It's a little bit of the reshuffling of the cards here. You were dealt a deck, and hopefully it's not just moving the cards around in your hand and hoping that something changes. I will say this. Couldn't be worse. Sure. Start there. We had, we had uh, said, I believe, on the last pod that it was so important that there would be some type of uh, extended, con- like, there needed to be some extension of Michigan State. Now, it doesn't yeah. mean that people didn't need to be fired. I think we both thought that maybe people should have been shown the door. Mm-hmm. But there needed to be some type of, if you bring in a dude from Toledo or you bring in a dude from anywhere else in the United States, it's while they may have a great mind and a fresh eye, it's helpful, but they're not going to totally understand exactly what this program uh, has gone through to get to where it is. And like, and I think we talked about the reason you are as like hardened as a Spartan as you are. Yeah, and that's a really hard thing for any coach to come in and be like, "This is the way it is now." Guys who have been here for seven plus years. So that's that would already be a tough dynamic, right? Um, but ideally, we have found. Uh, Coach D'Antonio putting his coaches in the best positions to uh, be successful, much like we hope these coaches put their players in the best position to be successful. Yeah, it's. I, I heard the, the analogy I liked was it's like moving uh, seats around on the Titanic. Mm. Um, and uh, listen, I, I'll just say that I understand the frustration. I do. Um, to, to think... First of all, to think that Dave Warner is the only one involved in the offensive game planning is a little ignorant on anybody's part. I mean, these guys are all part of the staff. They all have a say in it. Um, But to counter that, you know, they're not all the ones making the same play calls over and over again. The concepts, I think I really don't even disagree with a lot of the concepts that Michigan State tries to use in their every single game approach. They want to run the ball. They want to control the clock. They want to work the middle of the field. And they wanted, you know, a short contained passing game with a couple shots. Really, I don't, I don't argue with that. I don't think you really can. They've done it so many times, so successfully uh, throughout Mark D'Antonio's tenure as head coach at Michigan State that you know that's never going to change as long as he's there. Um, but I think what it boils down to is that Dave Warner just, in terms of every game play calling, was completely unable to adjust, and ultimately that doesn't fall on anybody but him. Uh, and maybe, I guess, Jim Bowman, but he wasn't really calling plays. So um, a couple points, and I tweeted this out right after it happened, but uh, to your point, John, continuity has always been a hallmark of Michigan State staff. There just hasn't ever typically been a ton of turnover. Um, so I think that is something, maybe a, a silver lining here. Um, and, then, and then two really important points. One, getting rid of Bowman and Warner as offensive coordinators, guys that are in that play-calling mode um that that's addition by subtraction i mean any way you slice it like mm-hmm. these guys shouldn't have been doing that job and guess what they're not doing it anymore yep. you put them in positions now you have one guy who's coached offensive line for 15 years back coaching offensive line awesome mm-hmm. and then you have another guy who developed uh quarterbacks like brian hoyer kirk cousins 
even was early on with the Connor Cook development, um, put together a really mm-hmm. successful game plan for Brian Lewerke for a year. I mean, like this, he's not uneducated in his ability to to coach quarterbacks. So I'm going to make a generous analogy here for for us people uh, working in non-football coaching jobs. A person can be really good at making the presentation, but not giving it. Maybe, hopefully, our co-offensive coordinators were pretty good at making the presentation, the game plan, the getting everyone ready for it, but then when they had to sell it and call it and do it, awful. Right. And got worse at it, and maybe, oddly, when you have an offensive coordinator who can get the yips, who can get bad, like your quarterback, those don't help each other. So you've removed that problem, or you've at least removed that cancer and now you're plugging in a new thing with the same type of concepts and we've talked about before and we've had conversations with people who have said you know does Michigan State have the talent you know we've said to each other we definitely think this team has the talent and we've had questions and pushback on like well do they my my answer to that is Cody White starts on every Big Ten team in the country LJ Scott healthy is a fantastic back Brian Lewerke, healthy. We saw him win 10 games. Mm-hmm. We have Jalen Naylor, who, when healthy, was fantastic. Daryl uh, Stewart. Darryl, well, we're talking about next year. Guys coming yeah, back. Daryl Stewart's coming back. I'm sorry. Daryl Stewart, um, a phenomenal college wide receiver. Um, the talent doesn't necessarily have to be the Clemson, Alabama talent we talked about. We're not there. It's never, and it never that, will be. And that's not there. This team has the talent. And when we're, we're talking about, I think, what, to set the playing field for everyone, it's competing for a Big Ten championship. Because if you can compete for a Big Ten championship, that puts you in the position to compete nationally. Right? Yeah. And to ground us even further, a new offensive scheme, bringing in a Cliff Kingsbury, for, as a you know what we joked about, or people had joked about on MSU Twitter, we don't need to be a top... 25 offense we don't need to be a top 50 offense in fact if you go back and we look at the last six big 10 champions two of them were michigan state by the way michigan state was 80th overall in total offense in 2013 73rd overall in total offense in 2015 this team this program consistently has top 10 defenses and when they don't they go three and nine (laughs) The, everything else is the same. No, I mean it's 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 absolutely fair, and like that's how this program has won in the past. That's your point, and I think it's a great one. And I think that's one of the things that everybody does need to understand. Like that is like this doesn't need to be Oklahoma. This doesn't need to be Ohio State. This doesn't need to be even you know Auburn teams of past. You just need to be capable because the type the style of play that you exactly. have always won with is ball control. Is is running the ball. Is play action. Is more. Now, I don't even know if it's pro style anymore, but it's like it's 10 years ago. It's trestle ball. It's trestle ball. And it's <laughs> Which worked. was really effective. And it's worked. It's worked very well. Um, and so, uh, to me, keeping someone like Brad Salem, two points about Brad Salem. First, this this was it for Brad Salem. He's ready for this position. This guy's been offered a Power 5 job three years in a row, including Vanderbilt, by the way. Which, listen, yeah, it's Vandy. That's an SEC program. As I, a, I don't as care. As an offensive coordinator. As an offensive coordinator, yeah. yes. So he's been offered an offensive coordinator job at a Power 5 school three straight years. 
a guy is only going to sit there, see the what he probably perceives to be less qualified individual uh, in front of him, continuing to gain employment for so long before he wants to call call it a day and take it, you know, call some plays. Yeah, call some plays. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, he's probably sitting there thinking, what else do I have to do? Uh, so giving him this shot is not only the logical fit from a we got to keep this guy around, but also. Um, Listen, if you want to improve with a quarterback that you already have in-house, who would better do it than his quarterback coach? I mean, the guy who sat there, and in a lot of ways, I think I, I don't remember who, I think I said this about Mike Tressel when he was becoming defensive coordinator. Um, like, he's seen all of the errors in the ways of his predecessors in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Sure. And, and I mean, Harlan Barnett in that, when I'm talking about that. Um and he's seeing, okay, here's what not to do. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. no, honestly, I'm like you, man. he, I, I really think there's some merit to that idea. And and again, the staff continuity. Listen, would I been have objected to straight up firing Dave Warner and straight up firing Jim Bowman? No, but do I get why Mark Mark D'Antonio kept him around? Absolutely. Listen, what you have to understand about him more than anything else, and I think everybody who's followed this program for the last 12 years knows this is he is fiercely loyal to his players, his program, and especially his coaching staff. Again, he doesn't make big changes. He's never made big changes. That was never going to happen here. And, like, yeah, again, would we have liked to have seen some maybe some smaller changes? Sure. But he's, he's tripling down right now. He's doubled down before. He's tripling down now. And if the ship goes down, he's going down with it. Yeah, he bought that opportunity with no, the he's success he's it. had. And and keep in mind, uh, the continu- it, the continuity you mentioned goes both ways. Yes, he sustained most of his staff every year, even in success. People stayed. Okay, it goes both ways, and he mm-hmm. was able to retain a lot of these guys that we were afraid maybe at one point were going to take off. Yep. Okay, it didn't work out obviously, but it goes both ways, and that's a reward of sorts for sticking through when you had a better opportunity. So um, consider that, you know, when and if things turn around like they have the past two times things have gone bad. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, here's here's just to, to put a bow on it, um, and I know this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but I, the last time Mark D'Antonio promoted his quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator, Dave Warner, by the way, the team went 13-1 and won, Rose, won the Rose Bowl. The year after that, they finished 10th in offensive S&P. Year after that, they made the college football playoff with a 31st ranked offense. It's not impossible. The talent is there. I don't think people have to worry about that. Um, but before we move on to basketball, I I do think the other side of this coin is that I just mentioned it a second ago. Mark D'Antonio is going down with this ship. If mm-hmm. Brad Salem doesn't work out, mm-hmm. if he's bad. Yeah. And this doesn't go the way he thinks it is. I don't think after this year, unless it's real ugly, which again, I don't necessarily see that happening. Unless it's real ugly, I think Mark he goes into 2021 if it's just like kind of ugly and they go seven and six again. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much on the hot seat to the point where I think the questions about is it Mike Tressel's time to take over the program become very, very. Uh, real and maybe the monetary uh, needs to keep Mike Tressel around. Um, I don't know if MSU will be able to meet them. Well, 
yeah, without making him a head coach. But you know what? We'll get to. Um, but it's just a lot. He's going down with it. If, this, it. if they go down, he's 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 doubling and tripling down on the guys he's built this program up with and the way he's built it up. Which and you got to you got to respect it. And also, D'Antonio is he's he's not, earned that right. He's also not like incredibly old, but he's old. He is who he is. He's stuck in his ways. You're going to do things the way you've always done them. That's what you get when you hired the guy. Uh, what? 12 years ago, 13 years, you yeah. wanted this scenario in that you had someone this here this long that sustained a level of success that put you in a position where he had to make a decision about, do I continue doing things the way I do or change it? That means that it was a good hire way back then. I don't yeah. think disputing that, but like take a giant step back. Everyone, John L. Smith was just an abomination before that I- Bobby Williams was an abomination. We all thought everyone thought he was the next best thing. Okay, I just want to reground everyone a little bit. Yeah, because what what you hear right now, what I won't have, is people get talking spoiled. Because that's what happens. That's what happens in Ann Arbor. I I, I think there's a generation of Michigan. This sound makes us sound real old, but uh-huh. this is a there is a generation of Michigan State fans who I think have sort of. You know, which is, they don't know anything. Which is good. I want better. them to feel that way. And I listen, want- there, there's there's a secondary point there where like, should Michigan State fans be like, ah, you know, it was really bad once upon a time. So like, if it gets kind of bad again, will it ever? It'll never be that bad again. Like, that's not the attitude to have. Like, we should demand. You should demand excellence. And we I think do. this year shows that Michigan State fans do demand excellence. But like, you just. What you're doing right now is you're questioning the best coach in school history by a lot. One of, I don't even think it's an argument, one of the best coaches in Big Ten history. We, we may talk about the 60s MSU when we won national championships. Okay, fair. But, all right, so best Michigan State coach since 1970. Yeah. Since George Pearls. I mean, he's the isn't he the winningest coach or is Pearls still the winningest oh, coach? Duffy. I don't know. Duffy. Oh, yeah. What am I talking about? So Still, you're, you're talking about in modern terms – yeah, easily the best coach Michigan Absolutely. State's ever had, and at a bare minimum, number two. The good news is, well over half of the Power Five schools would envy our position, and we're mad about it. How many? And that's okay. How many schools in the Big Ten? No, that's good. Would want our head coach? I mean, really, outside of in the e- three or four schools. But you know why? You know why we are defending this situation. Is because I think you and I both see the light at the end of the tunnel here. I think we both, maybe green glasses are on, see a successful 2019 season. Yeah, I, I, we, I do. No question. No question. I, I really think, again, it's and you know why? It's because it doesn't have to get that much better. As bad exactly. as it was, this has to become a slightly below average nationally offense. And that's, what, that's it. And you that's, have to average... One touchdown more. If Michigan State scores twenty five points a game this season, they go eleven and one in the regular season. That says that's it. All. I mean, that's it. And it's funny. I read. I'll give him a shout out here. I read an article by Jim Comperoni at Spartan Mag that I thought at the time was him, like really sort of shilling for the program and like unapo- like sort of making excuses for going seven and five as opposed to ten and three. But the further I get away from reading it, the more I realize, like, he was really onto something. I mean, like, this this team went through so many injuries this year and some horrendous play calling. Don't get me wrong. The offense did not help itself. But also, you know, 
Felton Davis, your best receiver. You're telling me if he's not healthy against Nebraska, I mean, even against Oregon, against some of these games they lost down the stretch of the year, that, you know, things might not be a little bit better. Uh, you're telling me that if Brian Lewerke, guy who was all, what, first or second, he was, I think he was one of the, on one of the all Big Ten teams as a sophomore, if he's 100% healthy and able to run around and make the plays that he makes at his best, that, like, well, here's what this we, team's not yeah. better. I mean, like, and here's what we saw for Austin. You have all of that. You even next year, if you have all the same injuries, let's say the exact same thing happens. If you have a marginally better play caller, right? You, this team wins nine or ten games because yeah. they lost nine to six to Nebraska. They lost yeah. seven to six to Oregon. Yep. Okay. It's right there. It's right there. It's not that far. It's it's, right it's, it's, I mean, there. they lost seven, what, 17 16 to Arizona State? It's right there. It's right there. And, and again, if you look at, we'll get way more into this later on in this year because uh, we got some important basketball stuff. But, like, you're not losing a lot nope. talent wise at the most important positions across the entire board offense and defense. I mean, really. Felton hurts. Felton hurts, but, but you played without him for the last half of the season. And you have some very good young wide receivers coming in, for the record. Um, I'm excited. I feel like this this team is definitely on the trajectory up. And, and I feel like at this point, you know, anybody griping about this stuff offensively needs to put it aside. You got to put it, you put that to bed. It's not going to help anybody if they suck five games into the season, start complaining again. Well, guess what? They deserve this chance to be good. You're absolutely Brad right. Brad Salem deserves this opportunity. Give him a shot. Gotta give him a shot. Yeah, I mean this. Let's let's uh, wrap it up. This team, um, we're a couple points away in three games from being ten and three, and talking about we're right there next year. You one more touchdown a game away from going eleven and one, and losing to Ohio State by a point. Let's do it. It's a fact. Uh, okay, basketball, the good stuff. All right, we're gonna transition here. We go. here. I'm gonna start this out and talking hoops. Um, R.I.P. Uh, Gus Kanakis. R.I.P. Uh, for everyone out there, who, this was—he's um, a legend. He's been in the athletic, he was part of the athletic program for gosh, almost every year after he uh, retired from being the head basketball coach. Uh, Gus passed away this week. Is 92 years old. Um, the coach before uh, Judd Heathcote. So Austin, I think. Michigan State has had three head coaches in 50 years. I That's insane. That's incredible. I want to tell a quick story about um, Gus. I read it from uh, Ducking Delvon on Twitter. I think it's a fantastic story. And this will encapsulates Gus, who was um, so fun as the doing radio play-by-play, or excuse me, as the uh, halftime interviewer. In 1971, uh, Gus took an unranked Michigan State team and won on the road at number seven Kentucky, 91 to 85. It was the last loss Adolph Rupp in his 42nd season ever had at home. Wow. Decades later, uh, Gus told the story about that game, and it was clear he was very happy about it to that day. Um, so he was telling a story, and as he said, the game ended. He went to shake hands with Rupp at half court of his court, like Kentucky's court. Gus made it to Rupp to shake his hand, and Rupp blows him off. They had a couple of plays, players injured or out for the game, and maybe Rupp thought his team wasn't very good. And he says to Gus, who mimicked his southern drawl, 
well, I ain't got shit this year. <laughs> a perfect combination of making excuses um, and trying to dampen Gus's excitement about one of the biggest wins of his career. Gus turns around and says back to him, well, neither do I, and that's why you gotta coach him, Rupp. No. Got at, at in his home place, Adolph Rupp. Tell him, I love which that. Which is true. Hey, coach him up. Coach Absolutely. him up. Absolutely, coach him. So, um, RIP to Gus. Um, yes, big we'll RIP. Missed uh, Spartan Nation. Um, fantastic dude. Um, Michigan State's basketball team. Hopefully, Tom told some similar stories about the man. Got him motivated and went out and took care of business this past week um, with a 77 59 win over Purdue and followed up with a 71 56 win at Penn State this weekend. We learned a lot more about this team yeah i thought all if you want to sum the week up i would say quite good it was fantastic very very good especially considering the circumstances which Mm -hmm. we'll jump into yeah you want to start with purdue yeah lots because purdue regardless of what you saw on tv has potentially the best player in the conference now you wouldn't have known it watching that game no he played quite well and i think that that some in some ways that says as much if not more about Michigan State than it does about Carson Edwards. I mean, I thought that was obviously the story of this of this game um, was how well Carson Edwards was defended. I think it was a twofold thing because he seemed to be getting really frustrated offensively, launching a lot of like bad rush threes, and I think forcing, part, it. forcing it quite a bit. And I think it was because he wasn't getting to the spots that he wanted to get to because, because of. Mr. Matt and one young Aaron Hendog. Henry. The Hendog. Out of nowhere, providing some defensive clamps. A beautiful thing. I mean, we, we've talked about Henry a lot this year, and he's been the freshman that's been the furthest ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for it, this will not surprise you, having watched Temizo for a long time, is that he's been able to defend pretty much since day one. But he really took it to another level in this one. To, to check... The, I mean, I don't even think he's the best scoring. Uh, he's he's the best he's, scorer in the Big Ten. You can make an argument he's the best scoring point guard in the country. Yeah, and I don't think you'd get a ton of pushback. Um, now, but the rest of this game, Purdue's just not very good. And if he, they just don't have the talent this year. And if he's not going for thirty-five, which he can, which he can, he's averaging and like has twenty-four, um, twenty-six. Yeah, twenty-six. And they went. I mean, they went on the road and beat Wisconsin later that week. Uh, so Wisconsin, who, by the way, is currently getting smoked at home by Maryland as well. Wisconsin, not good. Uh, anyways, uh, Purdue, hate yeah. to see it. Yeah, just things you hate to see. Um, but yeah, Purdue, again, looking like, you know, just not that talented of a squad. I thought Michigan State played fairly well in this game. Again, I think the storyline was that defense on, um, you know, on Edwards. But offensively, you know, scoring 77 points without having, again, your second-leading scorer for that was, at that point, the third straight game, yep. um, is a good thing. Okay, so more good. The rotation is all but defined. Yeah, it's pretty locked up. Now, we've seen injuries these past two games, which has changed that a touch. But it's a basically eight, and what I'm calling it eight plus Foster. Yeah. Because Foster... Call it eight and a half. Yeah, well, which is about right. <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> but my boy... He, he, uh, you know, he, we've always said, we said all year, he's got to spell minutes. That's his job. He's yep. got to steal five or six minutes a game. The rest, the other eight are kind of interchangeably for each other at that point. 
Um, we've basically defined it, and the odd man out may be our uh, boy Bubba Brown. Yeah, yes. It's I, tough see, to start. It's tough to find minutes, and we saw that in this game. I agree. I agree that he's probably that second half of that eight and a half that's out. But I do. I, I think he's still going to steal some minutes, a decent amount moving forward, if only because he can shoot. I okay, mean, I'm with you. He. I'm just pointing out in this Purdue game, a game which in which Josh couldn't play and Kyle was balling. Uh, Gabe had four minutes. Yeah, it's tough to find minutes, especially when Josh and Kyle are healthy. He's not going to get consistent minutes. It's be I agree with you. I think it's going to be a game to game thing with with Gabe Brown. And, and his role is to defend with all that length and to jack shots. When and he gets Gabe in. came in to his credit in his four minutes and was one from one from three and had a board. And it's this dude. How do you do that? I don't know. Man. I honestly I do, do not it. know how you do that. You I could walk out of the court cold and just just drain. Just three Kolak. Yeah, I don't. I, it's impressive, man, and I think you see the the future for me with with you Bubba Brown is exciting. To, so at that point, if you're Tom Izzo and you are not putting Gabe in for four minutes a game, you are you have taken a three off the board. <laughs> Essentially, you have <laughs> at this at this point. And and, and if I mean you've you've done it, you've decided that. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think what's really exciting again is that yes, that eight man plus Foster rotation is is pretty damn good uh those are eight really good players with a versatile amount of skill sets a lot of shooting a lot of size a lot of speed um maybe not your typical amount of size we've seen some some msu teams but i think with the way that they play it's it's enough um a good amount of defense both interior and exterior you've got they share the ball still as well as anybody um they kind of just know who they are and i thought in this game they played really well to those those strengths. The so one concerning thing was, though, in this one, and and I, uh, this was sort of weirdly a problem last year in certain games, and hasn't really been this year so far. They gave up 18 offensive rebounds to Purdue. Not a particularly great Purdue team, again. Mm. Um, yeah, I will say, shout out to me, Tre- <laughs> Trevion, Trevion Williams for Purdue, guy I called out several times last year as uh, a Swanigan light uh, had a game 13 and 12. He is going to be a bully in the post for the foreseeable future. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, the the good news is shout out to me. I mean, I know you love Trevion and he played really well. And actually I thought Matt Harnes getting in foul trouble was a good thing for Purdue. Yeah. Because that was not his game. That dude. Also, we talked about him not making the jump. From freshman yeah. to sophomore is so real. It's hamstringing them. It really is. As a team, like that is killing them to and, not have a guy that they can. And I think they're discovering it now at Trevion yeah. Williams as a dude they can dump the ball into and get buckets and who can defend. But like losing that, I mean, last year you had two huge shot blockers, and really previously you've had you've had them every year for the last seven, really for forever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, Harms is supposed to be that guy, and he really was that guy in backup minutes last year. Is not exactly it this year. backup minutes. Right, he's, he's not taking that step. And he has not taken the lead. And losing Dakota Mathias. I mean, like, listen, I got to give Purdue, like, as much as I don't enjoy don't do doing it. it, some benefit of the doubt. They lost a lot, a lot of talent last year. Oh, did they? Yeah. My team did. <laughs> My team lost two lottery picks. Yeah. Right. Miss me with that. Fair. Bullshit. Fair. So, Purdue, if there's a spin zone on this. Oh, now it's your turn. No, I'm saying it for us. Oh. 
We gave up 18 offensive rebounds. Mm. Dude, they were 24th in the nation going into that game in offensive rebounding percentage. Really? It's not like... So it's what they do. Yeah. Okay, fine. Overall, I'll take that win all day. Uh, the next win, a game you called, John, mm-hmm. you said would be closer than Purdue. Uh, technically correct by all of four points. Sleepy game. A sleepy game. Yeah, just... Okay, this game, we'll talk about what it is, and then I want to give you my spin zone. This game, without Kyle Arns and Josh Langford, um, was predictably sloppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you saw a lot of the depth players playing. I mean, you got advanced run from Foster, Gabe, and uh, Aaron Henry. Yeah, 21 from Gabe. I, I That's mean, easily a season high. Oh, yeah. And I didn't think he looked out of place. No, he a little, it was just a little too fast sometimes. Yep. He he was one for five from the field, which I'm not mad at. It's just, it was a different role from coming in and being a set shooter. Yep. To being like a true part of the, the offense. Game, yeah, for right? sure. And that's a little well, different. He's a true freshman. That's okay. And I, what's exciting to me again is like these guys are all getting getting these minutes right now. Not only for this year's team, or not I should say, not only for the future, but more and immediately for this year's team. God forbid. Say Kyle Arons is out for two weeks late in the season. Something like that happens. Developing this depth and getting these minutes now, nothing but good. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, sloppy game. I mean, I think this was Cassius's, Highest I don't know. I would say probably his worst game of the year. Certainly one of. Uh, seven turnovers on the game, 17 total for the team. A total, like, really turnovers had actually, like, sneaky. I think it was one of those things where, like, let's not talk about it. Yeah. Because it's actually going pretty well. They had been down. I mean, I don't, you would know the, the actual number, but um, they hadn't had a number like 17 in quite some time. We and... went eight straight games with 15 or less, and the 15 <laughs> was Florida. So okay. I can deal with that. Yeah, right. And this one was, you, you don't want to see that. But, while, but I, again, I'm going to give him the benefit here. When you're playing without two of your wings and one of which handles the ball way more than anyone else, Cash has had a bad game. Th- that happens. Yeah. Those will happen. I will take his bad game against Penn State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In this situation, for sure. Um, uh, again, th- things that concern me about this game, again, you don't, I don't love seeing that he still has that in him. You know, you would like to think that given a guy who's basically played all of two and a half years, that that would, it's that casual Cassius thing where he just sometimes like, he's so brilliant with the ball. Like Mm -hmm. he had some passes in both of these games where you're like, this dude is like white hot. Like he Mm -hmm. cannot be stopped. His vision is, if anything is going to get him a shot in the NBA with his size and general lack of like athleticism, yeah, it's that vision. Like it, it, it's it's an asset that just very few basketball players, period, have. Yep. Um, and when he gets a little too nonchalant, like a couple of those turnovers were just like lazy, dumb passes, uh, kind of falling asleep, bringing the ball up the floor, like just little stuff that you don't want to see out of a junior, especially one who has performed at such a high level yeah. throughout this entire season. And last, um, again, you, you kind of let it slide in the hopes that it doesn't continue. Uh, and you just kind of hope that it doesn't. The, the part more that scares me about Cash is the fact that he is, he's playing a lot. It, it I think it scares me even more than it scares it you. It does. It does because, uh, 
Foster did play 11 minutes in this game. Yeah. Played well. Seven points. I thought he played quite well, yeah. Got one shot. <laughs> Took two charges. Yeah. <laughs> Got one shot smacked back in his face. Who among us? Whomst. So, he played really well. Um, the reason why I'm not... Okay, his, I will give you that Winston's minutes are going up. And he had, like, 36 in this game. A lot. That's a, a lot. lot. Well, in this one, you don't have a choice. In this one, you didn't have a choice. So, I'm not as concerned. And it won't be, for the foreseeable future, the same. Right? I don't know. Because Josh Langford and Kyle Lawrence will be back. And you put Matt McQuaid in those point guard minutes... And I hope. I mean, I listen. But, yeah. I, but it's it's some of these times I'm watching these games, and it's an Izzo thing where I've asked myself, why is Cassia still in this game? Like yep. towards the end of this one, they were up seventeen I, or eighteen late with like four minutes to go. I'm like back. why? It and again, it's not like high stress minutes. It's nothing that's taxing him. But like two things: one, those minutes add up. Yep. And if anybody should know that, it's Tom Izzo. Uh, and then two, it's like why are we risking injury? Why, why are you keeping him out there for these meaningless minutes when, you know what, it's easy to twist an ankle, especially if he's going to the uh, rack. Or tra- no, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, he goes to the rack and falls hard a lot. Yeah. And that, like, that's the type of player he's become. Like, when he sees that little crease, he's going to the rim. And, again... It's just not a necessary risk in a lot of these yeah, situations. And that bad. falls on player and coach. But, like, I... I I think we're at the point in the season, especially with some of these games, you know, against lesser opponents, maybe not this week, but, uh, you know, soon, um, where you got to steal him some time on the bench and maybe give him, I don't think he's ever going to be like under 28 minutes a game, like at the absolute minimum, probably can't be below 30, which again, that's fine. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Like in a nutshell, it's just, yeah, in a vacuum, but like, I just want to. I hope Izzo can pick and choose it a little more carefully. I guess. For context, uh, Cassius is now up to 20th most minutes in the conference. So there are a lot. Yeah, of there's a lot, and that's one. just in the Big Ten. But, but this is the most an MSU player has played since 2015. Travis Trice. Well, if he can have a tournament run like Travis Talk Trice, then well, let's do it. Talk about it. One thing I want to shout out um, that was super weird is <laughs> love it. We, we, uh, in the last pod we talked, I was talking about how bad Chambers, how bad of a coach he was. Yes. And like, we were like, yeah, but he's not Rutgers bad. No, he's Rutgers bad because he, because he has talent. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, I, I think it's funny because you mentioned this and then we were talking about it separately. Um, yeah, I mean, at some point, I think you, I'm not sure how he survives this year because like I was watching this game. And, like, this isn't an untalented team. That Penn State team has more than enough talent where if you're well-coached yes. and smart, yes. they got plenty of guys who can shoot. you got several guys who can, like, drive to the rim. you got uh, Stevens has an incredible mid-range game. Reeves is really three solid. three capable players. I mean, Mike Watkins, to me, mm-hmm. is just a – just. I remember people used to get frustrated with Marquise Gray. Because Marquise Gray was like this huge just ball of potential who in his senior year started to finally like become Figure a really useful player. But like there is no reason on it that Mike Watkins can't be a star, an absolute star in college basketball. He is every bit of 6'9", 6'10", long arms, like big, 
like muscular dude. He's got boards, guys. rebounds, or board, sorry, boards, blocks, like nothing he can't really do besides shoot. And like we've got a guy in Nick Ward who isn't half the athlete that Watkins is, and he's one of the most efficient players in America. It's like it's it's a matter of coaching. And, and, and yeah. that, to me, says a, that's pretty damning for Pat Chambers. Yeah, first of all. On top of eight years without, of eight years without a tournament. tournament. Yeah. And then a microcosm for it for me was Cassius Winston goes into halftime with three fouls. Everyone knows it. That has to be the only thing that hit, at Penn State coaches are talking to each other about. The only way yeah. we can be in this game with Josh Langford and Kyle Arns out. we got to get Cassius out. We have to get him out of the game. Yeah. And what do they do for the first four minutes going into the under <laughs> under sixteen media timeout? They don't run one play at Cassius Winston. They don't even have a yeah, design. That's 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 borderline criminal. Like that's just uh, just absurd. And that's all on the coaches. Like that's that is all on him. How does that happen? How people does that not paying attention? Well, honestly, it's not necessarily all on him. That's on his assistant coaches. That's on everybody. And it's not like they didn't have the guys to go after. Him. Exactly. Yeah. You have a fre- they had a freshman true Dude, freshman point guard who is reckless. Throw him, barrel his ass into Cassius three yeah. times in a row and hope that he gets one block. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, it's not hard. I, I was, you know. Post him up like Chris Collins showed right, him. Right. Like somebody yeah. do something. Yeah. Anyway. I hope none of them are listening. Thank God. Uh, but I, I think it's funny. I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter where they were saying, like, do you, like, do you not see it with this team? And it was kind of. It wasn't about this game in particular. It was more of an overarching thing. But in terms of this game, like, listen, you just went on the road. Listen, it wasn't a good game. In a way, that almost makes me feel better. Like, this team played poorly overall, I would say. Except shout out Matt McQuaid. Matt McQuaid played really well in this game. Um, They, which I'm sure everyone is shocked to hear me say. uh, But they went on the road, played pretty poorly. Won, played poorly. Nick Ward was in foul trouble right away. Cassius Winston was in foul trouble and turned the ball over seven times. Josh Langford and Kyle Lawrence didn't play, and they won by 15 on the road. Not bad. Like, I, in conference, I don't care if it's Penn State. So, like, that that's you got to feel pretty good about that. So, so that leads us into one of the questions we got. So, and thank you to everyone who threw us questions and, you know, prompted and unprompted. But um, David Vernier94 says, uh, asked us, who would you say is the biggest surprise of this year's basketball team for you so far? Now, that could be a player, um, the results, the scheme, what? For me? Yeah. Uh, it's twofold. Um, first, I'll say the player, and that is uh, Kyle Arns. To me, it's unqu- I, it's unquestionably Kyle Arns. I mean, we talked about him in our season previews saying, you know, he's uh, at, at best an X-factor, where – you know, at one point in time, he was a pretty good recruit who was described as one of the better athletes on the team. Yep. Uh, and we've seen him shoot a little bit, but I mean, really injuries and, you know, not really being ready two years ago. Mostly injuries have really kept him from contributing the way that people thought he could. But um, boy, yes, he missed the last game, but man, what a pleasant surprise. I mean, kid can shoot. He's definitely a plus athlete. Uh, he can defend a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he has become a really a plus player, a plus player, a versatile. I mean, he's just like eighth man, seventh, eighth man yeah. right now. Like to have him as your eighth man when I'm perfectly comfortable speaking strictly for myself with him as a starter. Um, 
that is a really nice luxury to have. He's played really well in those starter minutes when McQuaid hasn't played. Um, and the second part of my answer is when you, you mentioned the scheme, uh, the readiness and willingness with which Michigan State is pushing the tempo and dictating the pace of games is, to be completely honest, is, sh- is shocking to me. It's shocking. Like, Izzo has talked for years, about years, wanting about wanting to run. And they've never really, truly done it. Right. I don't know that they've had – they don't always have the team to do it. Um, but, I mean, the only other team that's ever really done it was Denzel's senior year. They liked to push. But this is different. Like, these guys just go, and they seem confident. They seem, you know, within themselves. And they have a maestro in Cassius Winston, you know, doing it. So, uh, you know, leading the charge. And so um, I, I would say that the, the follow-through on, on Tom Izzo's lifelong desire to have a running there. offense has been really impressive. But who's, who's your uh, biggest surprise of the year been? Maybe it's not fair to say this. But because we should have seen it coming. I should have seen it coming. We all should have because we've been following this program for so long. But Matt McQuaid is the unsung hero of this season. Yeah. We we saw it at the Louisville game when he didn't play and we lost. And that's where we all took notice that, oh, we who's missing? Why are we bad? What's <laughs> going on here? And that was like the aha moment. But then you saw the way he stepped up and has when Josh Langford and now Kyle Arns are out. And you kind of have this, oh my God moment, where this kid has grown up and has now surpassed expectations. To when there was a point last year where we were like, we were like, is this kid even able to give us neutral minutes? Is he able to just not be a just huge... Just neutral minutes. Yeah, huge liability. And he has taken such a leap. Um, we always knew he was a decent defender. We saw him lock up. Carson Edwards, okay? We saw him ball out against Penn State, step up big time when those, that's a big, that's a lot of points that are off the table when you take Kyle and Josh. Mm-hmm. Step up, make big shot after big shot. Four threes. In big moments in that game where the tide could have turned. And this isn't just recency either. Like this kid has truly stepped up and this is why Michigan State fans, like this is why we love Michigan State basketball. Yeah. It's this Matt McQuaid is example exhibit Z of guys who have come in and we're like, this kid can't play <laughs> to and hits like a shot that we'll always talk about that shot in the Champions Classic against Kansas. Yep. And then go f- three and a half years without us remember hoping he can rem- <laughs> do that again. And then will is a senior leader a captain and is helping carrying this team to a height that maybe we didn't, a ceiling that we were always hoping they could get. Yeah. And really transforming his game. I mean, you would never have called him a plus defender before maybe last year. Right. Well, and I mean, I mean really, and, and has, has become more comfortable driving to the basket. Sure. Has learned body control out of some weird way. I, I mean, he has grown up. He's a leader that people respect him. Yeah, he's a vocal leader on this team. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that he has done in tandem with Josh Langford is really kind of become the vocal leaders of this team and faces of the program in a lot of ways. And, well, and he's you know, a senior. Like, he's playing yeah. like a senior is supposed to play. And, I, I'm again, I have been one of his loudest critics over the last couple of years, just wondering again, like, 
you're supposed to be the good shooter. You can't shoot. You're supposed to be a good defender. And he was never supposed to be a good defender, but that was what people labeled him as. And like, yeah, he was decent last year, but he's really turned into, to as last year went on, he got a lot better. And this year he's been really good. And I, I think you're right. I think the ultimate case in point for what you're saying is that like three really important wings have missed games for Michigan State this year. And MSU has lost games when one of them has been out. Mm-hmm. Which one? That's Matt McQuaid. All right, and I mean, and I hope we are he can can continue this because it's been a pleasure to watch. And here's one more thing, and I can't believe we even forgot about him, dude. Kenny Goins. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But see, that's that's the point. That's right the there. whole <laughs> point. We forget. Yeah. About how much he contributes. These guys that go from Matt McQuaid, you know. Stealing minutes as a freshman, Kenny Goins is a walk-on yeah. to what they are now. Kenny Goins is on pace, is on pace to finish top five all time for a single season rebounding year. Kenny for Goins State? for Michigan State for uh, one of the best rebounding programs. Yeah, I mean, in the he's, country. he's like top five in the Big Ten in rebounds per game. I mean, he's been. Uh, have, I mean, you talk seriously, talk about an overachiever. Like, yeah, he's not a great shooter from three, but, like, are we really going to nitpick? Dude gets, like, ten rebounds a game, is a great swing defender. Like, that, I think Kenny Goins defensively is the key to the whole thing. I'm going to say some names that he is on pace to pass as we are at the halfway point of the season for rebounds in a year. Let me know if you know these guys. Antonio Smith. Heard of him. Brandon Dawson. Know him. You're familiar? Mm-hmm. Antonio Smith, his senior year. Yep. Like, these guys are, they were the legends. Ball snatchers. Like, they just, they cleaned. It was theirs. And the ball was always theirs on the boards. And and Kenny Goins, walk on Kenny Goins, undersized 6'6", Kenny Goins. I mean. He's not 6'6", by the way. Wow. I saw him in person. There's no chance that kid's 6'6". Love you, Kenny, but you're not 6'6". Well, um, okay. There was, we had another question uh, I want to hit on. Uh, thank you again for the questions. Lego My Greco. Nice name. MSU looks good from the eye test. Kempom and Bart Torvik, which is an awesome website. Google it if you haven't seen it. it. Is it too early to be excited about the noise this team can make in March and hopefully April? You touched on this a little bit. I guess the question is, are you, are you, are we too happy? Uh, or is my, this... I can answer this question in one word. Okay. No. Okay. Good. Next question. No, we can. I mean, but, but really, <laughs> okay. no. I I don't think that. Okay. If you just compare this team just to last year, mm-hmm. it's obviously not as top level talented. I don't know that we'll ever see a top a team that's going to be straight up top level talented Correct. as the team we saw last year. We're Michigan State. I mean, the chances of us getting two lotto picks on the same team ever again, it's definitely possible because we get we do get really good recruits and we are in a blue blood pl- program. But like, it doesn't happen a lot, no matter what. I mean, As really, a Stewart, anyway. if you're listening, yeah, like, you please Rocket uh, Watts, you too could be the next, team. please. Um, but sure, this team doesn't have that top level talent ceiling. But I don't know about anybody else. I have had so much more fun watching this year's team. Uh, and they're ranked right around the same spot that, that the other team was all year. Um, but they're just a much more cohesive group. And I think you've seen this team battle through already more adversity than last year's went through. This team is much more talented. Or no, 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 sorry. Much more together as a team. They play 
they have a much better identity. Yeah. Like this team knows what they are. The ball doesn't stick. Last year as much I love Miles. I'll thank him forever for what he did for coming back for a sophomore year. Jaron Jackson is already a, a budding star in the NBA. But like that was just talent. That was just, hey, here's a lot of talent. Roll Let's see what happens. Yeah, bit. and see what happens. Um, lost in all that is Nick Ward. Um, it, you know what I mean? It's just insane. And, and you know, it, this year's team, yeah, again, the, the top-level talent's not there. But this is a deeper team. This is a team who knows what it is. They play to an identity. They play to a pace. They dictate the pace of play. I think the biggest difference from last year to this year is last year we played to our opponent. How do you want to play? We'll just be better than you we'll just be more talented than you and do what you do but with more talent so we'll just beat you um this year it's you're gonna play our way now mm-hmm. and if you can keep up cool but you probably can't and we will get to a couple teams in this league that are gonna try in a little bit yeah and no, but no so i don't think it's i don't think it's too early at all i think you've seen this team play really good teams i think you've seen them hang with uh, you've seen them play through adversity, and you've seen them just play. I just, I don't think it's too early. And, and here's, and here I'll answer that with you. I'll concur, but I will take it a step further. The team you have seen, we have yet to see this team at full strength mm-hmm. with Josh Langford and Kyle Arns that have played together for. I need five games in a row of it, wins and losses. That, that's fine, wins and losses, five games in a row with a, an established rotation. In February, because that's when you see a team become who they are. Yep. And that's the eight we've talked about plus Foster. Then you will start to see who this team really can become. Yeah. And I don't think this team has peaked. I think that's that, the exciting that's what we're part. Getting that's exactly what you're saying. Is it, it, we have we've seen Aaron Henry step up courageously. We've seen Gabe Brown step in wonderfully. They are not going to win or lose games for us in March. Okay. The two guys we need full strength, once we see them start to play together for, yeah. for weeks in a row, then you're going to see a different this level. This is a typical Izzo thing. Look, different this level. Is like, this, is the, this is where you want a team to be. Looking like they're playing really well and clearly not being at their ceiling. Get healthy. Peak in February and March. And, you know, I sky's the limit. Which is why you're not going to see Josh and Kyle play against Nebraska most likely. Correct. Well done. But before we get into the Nebraska game, let's take a quick run through what happened last week in the Big Ten and nationally because we called out some games, and I'll run through them really quickly. Ohio State uh, went to Iowa, and Ohio State's win, uh, our win over Ohio State, losing a little shine because Iowa ran all over them. Yeah. And we're starting to see there's a second tier in the Big Ten, and I think they're all going to start just flip-flopping on each other. I don't know who they are. Nothing changes between Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, Nebraska. Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota, who is going to be, I'm calling it now, a mirage. Uh, hmm. Purdue, Frisky. I mean, there is a lot of good, de- good decent. Sure, is this the time? It's safe. All right. We are going to introduce something we call the... Tentatively calling the goodness matrix. You guys have heard us talk a lot about how nobody's good. Everyone's bad. Mm-hmm. We decided to kind of put our money where our mouth was and mouths are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, actually come up with a, a, a definitive matrix matrix of, of With of no teams, data. With no data whatsoever. I think that's important to note. There is nothing behind these 
these tears. That's not true. What? A glass of Knob Creek was behind. Okay, the we've got that. That's fine. That's great. That actually makes them better. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got five categories here. Very arbitrary, but scientific at the same time. Very. Um, from the top, we're doing this nationally and for the Big Ten. From the top, we've got great. Great teams. So for college, for a college football reference, Alabama and Clemson. Yes. Those are your two great teams. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is in that Not tier. Not even close. No one great. is really even approaching that tier. Very good is the next tier down. Now that's your Notre Dame's, Ohio State's, Oklahoma's. Oklahoma's. Teams that are, you know... Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Have obvious flaws. But are still... But are still really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's good. Mm-hmm. Good is is teams that are even more flawed than the very good teams, but could beat the very good teams, like but top, would get smoked by the great teams. Yeah. Top 25. So, like, in between 5 and 25 is what we're talking about. Maybe we're, like, 8 and 25. Yeah, 8 to 10 25. to 25. I take... Michigan football this year, mm-hmm. the epitome of a good, good team. They're good. Yes. They were good. They were good. Okay, and uh, then the level below. Yeah. Frisky. My favorite category. <laughs> you do love frisky. Teams that... Frisky hands. Teams that probably aren't actually good at all, but, like, this is the most volatile category. They like, might... You could sneak up and just, like, okay. like, beat a really good... Beat a great team. The analogy, which is perfect, is... Purdue in both football and basketball. <laughs> and they it's had the true. same guy, Carson it's Edwards a, and Rondell Moore. It's a fact. Like, you have a fantastic player. You have one, like, can truly really good player. win games for you. You could even go and beat a very good team. Not beat a great team. A very good team. Uh, you know who might be the friskiest player in the nation tonight? Go ahead. Tyus Battle. Who oh. scored 32 points in Syracuse 95-91 win over Duke in overtime at Cameron Indoor. So that leads us to, is Duke great? Yeah. Duke stays great. Duke stays great. Uh, that, okay. Duke that stays, the, does Duke stay great? I keep Duke great for now. When you have the Real top three though. NBA yeah. picks, You're it's great. tough not to be great. They're trying. I mean, they're trying, though. They're After barely it. beating Florida State and losing at home to Syracuse, giving up 95 points. That's a lot. All right, and we have two more greats. Currently. Today. Oh, wait, and then below Frisky, though, there's trash. Oh, sorry. These are your Rutgers, your Illinois of the world. Your La Basura. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then the other greats we have are Virginia, currently undefeated. A lot of hate. This is a John push. Do not let what happened last year carry over. I will. You can't. I will, actually. All right, then we're going to let what happened to us last year carry over. That would knock us down a category. That's rude. Okay. Do you know what podcast you're on? You host this. Co-host. Not a good point. The Zags are another great team. Yes. I will stand for the Zags. And here's one of the reasons why. My favorite to win the national title. Okay. Saying it. And you know, one of the reasons we're all a little uh, biased towards the Zags that beat that Spartan ass mm, twice earlier this year in, yeah. the, in the private scrimmage. So I have a little respect for the Zags. I do too. So the three great teams today yeah. can change. Nationally, we're down to very good. So you th- across the entire country, you have three great teams. Very no, None good. from the Big Ten. None from the Big Ten just yet. Yet. Uh, very good. We've got Tennessee, 
who looks very good, very is good. bordering on great. They're talking about very it. bordering on great. Uh, Kansas, who I think with Azabuki could have been could great. have been great. Yeah, don't know now. Drop down, but they might get. We saw their uh, what's his face. Oh yeah, Silva Souza might be eligible this year. That mm, gives them the opportunity maybe. to get back in great. But keep going. Very good plus. Uh, Texas Tech. Couldn't be more in on Texas Tech. Very good. I will overpick them in the tournament. Austin is going to push right now. Austin is going to start at the Elite Eight and work backwards on yeah. this bracket with Texas Tech. Uh, possibly Final Four. Well, I just I think they're going to be in with Duke, and you're not <sighs> going to be able to do it. Which will be an amazing game. Yeah, I would enjoy that. Okay, and then we don't know. I I will even this ad- is the iffiest. One. I will even admit. In all my tries to see many basketball games, one that we'll talk about a little later that I try to stay up on the West Coast, Nevada. We just don't know. Un- unclear. One loss, a bad loss Not at New Mexico one. by like 20. The Lobos. The Fighting Danny Grangers. But no one goes in the pit. Yeah. You shouldn't lose by 20 in the pit. You shouldn't lose by 20 anywhere, you really. Can, you can lose in the pit. I, and that that's what makes me put him in good plus. Yeah, okay. So we stopped... We don't nationally rank anyone outside of very good and great. Yeah. But we will do all the tiers for the Big Ten. Tiers are from the bottom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So the trash teams. Just just hot garbo. Just bad. You don't want it. Grease we fires. We don't want it. Nobody wants it. Uh, Rutgers, obviously. Leading the pack. Shout out to Although. <laughs> shout out to Rutgers. Although. <laughs> getting that dub dub. Yeah. Yeah. Against Ohio State. Not helping us necessarily. And there's a rule. We're going to make it very clear. Yeah. If you lose to Rutgers, regardless of what division you are, we have put you in. Great, very good, good, or feisty. Frisky. Sorry. <laughs> Could be feisty. No, man. it's frisky. Frisky. You are demoted an entire category yeah. regardless of the situation. Yes. And if you're currently trash and lose to Rutgers, you are uh, relegated. You are out of the rankings for a week. So what is... Okay, we don't rank you anymore. No. So Rutgers, trash. Illinois. Trash. It hurts me, but trash. Penn State. Trash. trash. <laughs> shouldn't be trash. Shouldn't be. Northwestern, trash. Big, oh, big trash. Can I say something about... Ooh, I got, an, I got one for you in the frisky tier, though. Can I say something about trash, though? Yeah. I saw a tweet that made me laugh is how some how jealous someone was uh, of flight attendants who get to walk down the aisle and look everyone in the eye and say, trash. <laughs> <laughs> while they're asking for you your... openly judge every single person no, but they're asking flight. for your like cups. oh yeah right they're like trash trash yeah you're trash <laughs> trash trash that's how i feel looking at these four teams uh frisky. frisky talk about it i'm i'm getting very close to demoting this last team to trash but wisconsin they're frisky until further notice mm, frisky until further notice again little live update here yeah they're down 10 down 10 with eight to go at home they're st- they stay frisky when you lose by 10 at home. Do they? Uh, to who? Maryland. What? Okay, fair. Yeah. All right. Slow down. So Wisconsin bordering on trash. Uh, Keep like it going. It's just starting to stink. Like the food's starting to go a little bit. <laughs> I can still like eat it. I don't it. like it. Yeah, it's not good. Okay. It's like a couple days past. You could, but you might get sick. Um, oh, no, this is at Maryland. Oh. You sure? Yeah. Keep don't, going. Don't care. Uh, Iowa, frisky. I think that's a fair call. Because um, yes. I don't think they're good, but they they're not trash. Uh, Minnesota, frisky, bordering on good soon. Um, we'll talk about that. Perdon't frisky. I think they pretty much stay in frisky 
strictly because of Carson Edwards. Exactly. Because otherwise the rest of their roster is currently constructed as tra- big trash. Big trash. Unless your boy Trevion can become a post-threat. They could right. never move up to good, but stay firmly in first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ohio State were keep... We actually just demoted they Ohio demoted State. Them. They are the first victim of they the, Rutgers, in, the Rutgers rule. They were in good. The Rutgers rule. They were at rule. the bottom of good. Yeah, they are definitely demoted to Frisky. So now I have three in the good category. Yeah. One I'm you're questionable. Out. You're on. out on? Nebraska. You're out on Nebraska? I don't know if I'm in on... I Again, I put them firmly in Frisky. But I'll... No. I'll, yeah. For... No. I will stand for Nebraska. And I don't even like Nebraska. I don't. I think I was I'd, the one calling hmm. for Garbo at the beginning yeah. of the year and saying all the computers were overranking them. But now I start standing for them because Austin is hating. Love computers. Well, you're hating on them a little too hard, <laughs> I think. Right. I mean, they just beat the hell out of uh, Indiana at Indiana tonight. Hmm? Consider it because okay, we also fair. said that Indiana is good. Indiana does appear to be good. I'm only leaving Indiana in good because of Romeo Lankford. And Juwan Morgan. And Juwan Morgan. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll give them those. That's it. And then the other good team is Maryland. This team is good, bordering very good. They can talk about being very good. They're a couple games away. They have to beat they some, some opportunities yes. to become very good. And speaking of which, your two very good teams currently both reside in the state of Michigan. Michigan and Michigan State. Now, some people, maybe not people who listen to this podcast, but other people might say, how is Michigan not great? <sighs> I get it, I guess. Uh, I mean, they've beaten the absolute breaks off of some good teams in North Carolina and Villanova. Uh, but it, it, to me, and I said this, I've, this has been like my refrain recently of like, they remind me of Michigan State from last year. Not in how they play, not in really anything but the trends of their season where they went on the road early in the year and just beat the shit out of some really, at the time, what we thought were really good teams. Um, North Carolina is good. And North Carolina appears to be good. Villanova appears to be frisky frisky to good. Um, they beat the doors off of uh, somebody in the Big Ten, Indiana, right, mm-hmm. recently. But again, good maybe. Um, I haven't seen them play an elite team yet. Like, I haven't seen them play I, – I, here's the thing. It's not just that they beat the this, this crap out of these teams early. Um, it's more of that they kind of play to their – they play down to their competition. Like, they barely beat Northwestern on the road. That's mm-hmm. not a good Northwestern team. In fact, it's a trash team. <laughs> Talk about um, uh, they've had – just I just feel like they've had closer calls than they should have had. And hey. – um, I, they have a brutal last six games of the season, by the way. they play. No, I'm serious. They play Maryland twice and Michigan State twice. That's four tough games in no six games. And one of your good teams, Nebraska, is one of those games. Yeah. That's I, five tough games Yeah, man. in six. So I, I'll be interested to see how they kind of bounce back. I think Michigan State is firmly in the very good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they can elevate them to great because um, I – you know, again, they lost to Kansas. They uh, lost to at Louisville, which yeah, was not a bad right. loss as they just beat North Carolina by 20. Yeah. But it's not good. It's not good. And I'd like to see Great them, teams don't lose. Well, I would games. like to see them beat some of these good teams. They got plenty of chances coming up. And, uh, you know, I also can't call them great because I haven't seen them play at full strength. You really know why Michigan's not great? 
because they're sixth in Ken Palm. Mm. You know how hard it is to be mm. undefeated halfway through the season and be sixth? It's, like, difficult. Yeah. You know who is 16th? 10-6 and six Purdue. Mmm. That's not good. The computers don't like Michigan. Okay, let's talk about these games coming up. Okay, you want to go straight to Nebraska? Yeah. Okay, on the road, at number 27 Nebraska, according to the rankings that came out. So Sure. Well, there's top 25, and you also receiving both. Yeah, I like 27. That's a nice round number. Sure. They have three stud dudes that have been there forever. Mm-hmm. This is kind of funny to me. James Palmer Jr., Isaac Copeland Jr., Glenn Watson Jr., all seniors. <laughs> hey. How did we miss that last year? I don't know. Uh, they're very good. James Palmer uh, averaging almost 20 a game. A little turnover prone. Uh, Isaac Copeland is a big, not as big as the Caleb Wessons of the world, as mm. in thickness, mm. but certainly a body that will go up against uh, Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman averaging 14 and a half and five boards a game. And then, in a conference loaded with point guards, Nebraska has one that people forget about, and Glenn Watson Jr., who's averaging 13.4, four rebounds as a six-foot guard, mm-hmm. and four assists. This team could produce its own uh, 3x3U Big Ten team on their own. Yeah. If you're not familiar with that, it's the three by three-on-three tournament at the end of every year, seniors only. Hard to have three seniors that are all like really good True. And Nebraska, that's why I think they are good, because mm-hmm. they have the experience. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think that their experience, especially in Palmer and Copeland, is uh, in really advantageous positions for teams playing against Michigan State. Like, bigs who can score that are athletic, athletic wingish bigs that can score, scare me, personally. Especially in a game without Kyle Arnes. That's... Uh, a daunting task. I think really, again, like you said, Nick Ward will be huge in this one. To me, the two most important players defensively are going to be Kenny Goins and Xavier Tillman because they're going to draw a lot of these mm-hmm. assignments. I would bet that uh, Tillman ends up on Palmer, or excuse me, um, Tillman probably ends up guarding Copeland a decent amount. And I won't be surprised to see two bigs run out there, especially with the shortened rotation. Uh, and I would assume that Goins will get the Palmer assignment um It'll be Goins and McQuay, kind of depending what lineup is out there for for Nebraska. Um, if healthy, I think this is a team Michigan State should kind of run off the road. Again, I think they're just the better team right now. Maybe that's a seven-point win. Maybe that's a ten-point win. Um, but given the injuries um, and the fact that uh, Nebraska can get out and run and has some athleticism and has some shooting uh, and a little bit of depth, too, they go eight or nine deep. Um and the fact that they're a really good defensive team. They only give up uh, like a little over 61 points a game and 38% shooting from the field. Now, I think, um, you know, Michigan State obviously has a bunch of good shooters, even without those two uh, players who won't be playing and really efficient big men. So I would expect them to shoot better than that. But uh, same point in time, this is not going to be a you, – you'd think of Nebraska basketball, Nebraska ball, if you will. And um, – you don't think of a, a big athletic experience team, and that's kind of what this is. So uh, it, it's it's a it's a tough game. So for a little um, recency, Nebraska just went into Assembly Hall and beat Indiana by 15, and they played seven dudes. Um, four players played 34 minutes or more. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of for, minutes. 
to consider that Cassius yeah. has touched 35 once this year, I believe. I have to double check. But that is insane to play four guys that much. Yeah, so They're top heavy. Yeah, that tells you, you get you push them. A little depth, there's yeah. a drop off. When you got to go at, I mean, I think offensively the game plan isn't going to change necessarily. You you force them to make mistakes with your speed. And like we've been saying, Michigan State does such a good job of dictating the pace this year. And uh, I think in particular getting Copeland into foul trouble is going to be really big. Get their biggest athletic you know, front court player off the court. And mm-hmm. you can do that by getting Nick Ward busting his ass down the floor and getting himself into a good position. That's just, we've seen the recipe time and time again. MSU, again, not going to do a lot different than they normally do. I don't think they'll do anything different than they normally do. But uh, I would expect um, them to to really put the pressure on Copeland and Palmer specifically. They also haven't lost at home this year. Yeah, and I know we're only halfway through the year, but... It's good. It's a good environment. It's a real good environment. And keep in mind, um, and this isn't a knock, this is just that Nebraska and also Iowa, they don't have professional sports. All the disposable income within those states goes toward watching these football and basketball right. programs. So even if the game is on a, what is it, a Thursday night, and, and it's going to be a seven. Oh, yeah, it'll be packed. It's going to be to the brim. And it's going to be loud. And it's going to be, this is, we're the best ticket that they are going to have all year. Yeah. We're the best game that they have. Come. So this is, this is it. Well, one of the best games that Michigan State uh, is going to host all year is uh, coming up next week as well, January 21st at 5.30 p.m. on FS1. Maryland, currently number 19, and in the process of beating Wisconsin, is, is coming to Michigan State, and you and I liked them a lot coming into the year. Currently good. Currently good. <laughs> in the, in the- I, I, I think they're borderline very good. If they win this game against Michigan State, they're definitely very good. So let's talk about why they're good. Um, they have one guy who tested the NBA waters last year, and Bruno Fernando, didn't get great feedback, and he came back and has really turned it around. Yeah, he is a beast. He is very um, good. And then we talked about it earlier, this, this conference is littered with great point guards. Anthony Cowan Jr. is probably their best player. I mean, he might be one of the... Th- I think You could make an argument he's the third best point guard in the, in the league. I know. This is Pretty strong argument. Maybe not, because then you have, uh, for Michigan... I mean, Simpson is really strong. Simpson's really good. Cowan's averaging 17 points a game, four and a half assists, and four rebounds. There's just a lot of really great talent. Agreed. And he is no exception. No, absolutely not. And yeah, Simpson definitely deserves a a look. He's been great this year. Phenomenal point guard. Uh, Mm -hmm. Great defensive point guard. Cowan, not as good defensively, but an absolute spark plug offensively. Can shoot, again, like I said, leading the team in scoring at 17 a game. a ton of threes, averaging 35%, so not great. Um, but then they have five-star, 6'10", Jalen Smith. Sticks. His nickname Sticks, which I kind of love. Yeah, yeah. Jaron Jackson maybe should have been Sticks. Never mind. He's just Jaron. So, J- Jalen Smith, I mean, this guy is a one-and-done. Sure uh, looks like he it. He looks really good. And this is the type of length that has always been bothering Xavier and, more importantly, uh, Nick in the post. Yeah, and I think you're kind of hitting on a really important topic with this team. Um, the stuff that's going to scare me personally as a Michigan State fan looking at this team is teams with really athletic, true big, big men. Um, not a lot can give Nick Ward trouble. That can. That yeah. can. And the when, only thing, really. Yes, and so that defensively gives them an automatic leg up because they not only have one, 
They have two guys they can play at the same time yeah. or play separately. That, especially in this game, where we may or may not have Langford and Arns. I mean, this one they haven't ruled him out of. They pretty much ruled him out against Nebraska. This one, if they're back, things change a little bit because there's just a little more athleticism and you can maybe even exploit having two bigs on the floor at the same time. Mm-hmm. But um, if they're not or one of them isn't, um, it, it, it gets tough. That's a big, efficient part of the Michigan State offense that you're you're really severely limiting uh, in Nick Ward. Um, and on top of that, the, the other thing that I think scares, that should scare Michigan State fans is a dynamic scoring point guard that is surrounded and accompanied by two really good shooting wings. I think in isolating, if it's just a point guard himself who's a really good scorer, you can shift Matt McQuaid on exactly. there. But that's not the case with this team. Can't do that. Cash is going to have to play D. And there's two freshmen in Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins, both of whom are shooting at least 39% from three. Uh, Ayala shooting 45.6%. So in a starting, a starting five of Cowan, Fernando, Smith, Ayala, and Wiggins, that is three really good three-point shooters, or at least three capable, two very good three-point shooters, uh, two huge big men, and uh, it's – the big men that are athletic. I mean, that is if there's a recipe to beat Michigan State, that that's certainly it, at least defensively. Now, offensive and offensively, I guess really both ways. That's that's a pretty darn good team. Now, if Michigan State dictates the pace in this one and can take care of the ball, they should be okay. Um, Maryland's biggest flaw in all, I mean, I would think is probably the fact they turn the ball over 13 times a game. They can get really sloppy with it. Uh, and they've played close games against kind of inferior opponents, so they still are fourteen and three. Um, but they're still learning. Yeah, maybe yeah. fifteen and three now. But. You know the difference between Nebraska and Maryland. Nebraska's been there; they're older. Maryland's more talented, maybe much more, but but not as experienced. This is going to be the tough, tough tough week. This is the probably the toughest week Michigan State will have up until the end of March. When or yeah, at the end of yeah. mid March when we finish out the regular season. Mm-hmm. Be, so um, I think, not to get predictions, but no one should be upset with a split. No one should be upset with a split. It's, no. This is, this is an incredibly deep Big Ten. I, so, I think what plays to Michigan State's advantage this week in terms of potentially winning both of these games is that the better matchup for them is on the road. I, I like the matchup against Nebraska better than I like the oh, okay. matchup against Maryland. And um, you get the better team at home, which I think is a good thing, on the weekend, um, you know, with four days in between games. Uh, at Nebraska, certainly going to be a raucous atmosphere. It's going to be a big one, and that's a darn good team that's going to be motivated. But, listen, if, if I've got to pick to play one of these teams on the road and one at home, I'm taking Nebraska on the road rather than going to Maryland where we've seen some – some things happen in the past. Seen some things, man. Um, all right, so Big Ten games of the week. Uh, we are, you know, six games into the twenty-game Big Ten season. Not a lot of fun stuff during the week, but uh, Friday this weekend is going to turn up um, and nationally. Friday we got Maryland at Ohio State. Ohio State has you can't lose home games. We say it over and over this conference yep. season. You got to win. Saturday you got Michigan at Wisconsin. Boy. And uh, also Indiana at Purdue, which is can't miss TV. Tough week for Maryland. On the road at Ohio State. Say what you want about them losing to Rutgers, which, ha, <laughs> uh, But also, um, they then have to turn around just a couple days later and go to Michigan State. That's actually 
I didn't even realize that. That's a big benefit for us. Consider that we don't have to play us. <laughs> Every other that's team awesome. does. No, I'm serious. No, I know. Like that's hilarious, right? It's a really like, good team. You don't like, have, we don't have to play. Everyone's like, damn it. Yeah. Hell. <laughs> you know, like this is yeah. we don't have that. Beating us is a big deal. Um Michigan at Wisconsin should be interesting. I expect Michigan to kind of roll because I don't think Wisconsin's no that good. Way. Uh, no way. Indiana dude. at Purdue. This is a game I could see Purdue winning just because they hate Indiana so much. And yeah, man. Carson could go for four. You don't games. miss that game. No. I mean, I highly recommend watching any Indiana Purdue sport. They hate each other. Now, the notion, the national games of the week are pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Two of them involving your favorite team. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Tuesday, Virginia Tech at Virginia. Hatred there. A lot yeah. of hatred there. Buzz Williams. Turning Virginia Tech into a top ten team. Top ten team. Wow. Buzz at Marquette doesn't feel like that long ago. No. And Woj at Marquette, by the way. We're talking about Marcus Howard, and we're gonna start Sheesh. to put together. Okay. We're gonna put together a small index. It'll be very short. A little rolodex of teams we do not want to play for one reason, because they have a guy. Uh, That's one of the reasons. No. There are a couple factors. We're Are gonna we... come up with the folder of teams we don't want to play in March. One of the biggest reasons yes. we don't want to play them is they have a guy. Marquette's got a guy. And, and Purdue will go into many teams' folders. Yes. Because they not have... Not ours. Not ours, because we're very good. <laughs> right? Right. Not every team is very good, Austin. Correct. Most are bad. Most are actually bad or frisky <laughs> at best. Mm. Trash, usually. Yes. So most teams don't want to play a guy who has a Marcus Howard or Carson Edwards who can drop 30 a game, no drop, problem. Uh, 50. Marcus Howard's okay. different, and we'll get to him later this year as we put together this. He's scoring game. a lot of 50-point games. Uh, if you get the chance, you should watch him. He's had three games of 45 points or more. Three. He's, He's halfway through the season. He can score. People have said it. Saturday, Kentucky will be an underdog in the SEC at Auburn. And Auburn's not the best team in the conference. Tennessee is. Pretty wild. SEC, not bad. Is John Calipari washed up? Is he on the hot seat? Folks. He's not. I think you could find him an assistant role in East Lansing. This is very... He could be an assistant bag This is like calling in the Fine Bomb show in like Kentucky Paul. basketball. Paul, I think John's got any more, Paul. Paul. Yeah. No, I, I think that'll be that'll be a fun game. A fantastic That's a big game test for Saturday will be Virginia, who averages like four possessions a half, at Duke... <laughs> Who wants to score as much as possible? This is a big one for Duke because they got to bounce back. Big loss. They can't, big they can't loss. lose. You can't lose back-to-back home games. Not against the. Not. I mean, that's a tough one against Syracuse, man. Ooh, can't drop that one. Not. They did. Not. Not just because it's not a great Syracuse team. I mean, who, that too. Who? Whom star we? Who loses to Syracuse? Yeah, who would do? LOL. Who does that with like multiple with lottery so many picks? Lottery picks? What a dumb. <laughs> but thing at least to they do. scored ninety four points. But and to the, give up to ninety one points to give up ninety five. Come on. Bro. To like not for all the things that Syracuse does well, they're not an, an efficient scoring team ever. Mm-hmm. They give up ninety five points. Hey, hey, hey! I'm saying. Yeah. I've got some Duke takes to bust out later in the season, too. Write them down. Uh, oh, they're written. A couple Q&As, and we'll finish up. Uh, at TZAM2299 says, Big hypothetical, ridiculous scenario, but if Foster Lawyer not only took a charge from Zion Williamson and managed to draw the foul, would ESPN be required to switch their Zion coverage to Lawyer coverage? First of all, there is no... The ESPN coverage becomes a live viewing of foster lawyer lawyers like wake because he's dying 
in this scenario. Austin, have you ever seen a semi truck hit a bird? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I anticipate it's brutal. That seems less than what would happen here. That would is, he just explode in a ball of feathers. That is less violent than Randy Johnson's fastball into yeah, that dog. Uh, th- yeah, I don't. I mean, maybe. I could see Foster Lawyer eventually becoming the guy that ESPN loves off Michigan State. But first of all, no one is insane enough to take a charge from Zion Williamson, let alone Foster Lawyer. He'd we, die. He we, would die. Austin. Or Zion Williamson would just jump over him. Austin, Austin, we often say many things in basketball. There are rules. Um, don't get crossed over. Don't. Don't reach. Definitely don't reach. Because someone will teach. Mm. Don't jump. Ever. Ever. And don't get in the way no. of things. Don't get in the way of Mack trucks barreling down the court at you. Don't jump into traffic. That's insanity. Don't, don't, exactly. That's the same advice. I, I said all I needed to say yeah. about this. You had wanted to close some, some thoughts about Kyler Murray. Yeah. Hit me with it. I, I kind of wanted to get yours, too. Um, Heisman winning Kyler Murray. Heisman winning Kyler Murray. Um I personally just kind of want to go on the record and say I think he's, for for better or worse, for me personally, I just think, I don't think I would do what he's doing. Oh, what is he I doing? I think he's making a mistake. Well, explain this to So you. what he's doing is he is, he basically strong-armed the Oakland A's who drafted him number nine overall in the MLB draft. The MLB draft has like a hundred rounds and they took him with the ninth overall pick. Tells you what they think of him. Uh, he has the potential to be like profiled to be like a power hitting corner outfielder who can like steal 30 plus bases a year. Like he's got the chance to be really, really good. And uh, he signed like a four and a half million dollar signing bonus. Uh, and the A's let him go play for a year at Oklahoma. Might've been a mistake. <laughs> Wins the Heisman. <laughs> Turns out he loves playing football. And now is choosing to enter the NFL draft. Mm. Uh, but in the process, he said, okay, A's, either give me $15 million mm-hmm. and basically change a bunch of baseball's rules, or I'm going to declare for the draft. And, like, first of all, good for him. Get your money. Like, I love the move on his part. Like, truly, I do. And I hope he's successful in the matter of what he does. But I kind of think he's crazy for playing football for a variety of reasons. Um, first of all, he's he, he, five, he's 5'9". Head trauma. Well, <laughs> CTE is an overarching thing. Bad, uh, generally. But the second is that, I mean, dude is 5'9". Five, 5'10 five, five, in cleats. Yep. That, listen, yeah, there's Russell Wilson. Yeah, there's Drew Brees. For, they are the exception, not the rule. And listen, I realize he had a dynamic season. He's got the chance to be... He could be good. He could definitely be good. But like to your odds that you have to overcome, yes, they're high in baseball, but like they're really high in football and he is capping his earnings potential by a lot by opting to play in the NFL over baseball. If he goes into MLB, theoretically, let's say he hits the MLB in two years. He's 24 by the time he hits the league. He's got a chance to sign a huge contract. And if he's as good as a top 10 prospect should be, theoretically, mm-hmm. he is going to sign at least, at bare minimum, probably a $120 million contract. Sounds good. Maybe. In six years, that number could be much, much higher. Mm-hmm. And if he's a superstar, that number could be $200 million. And guess what? You sign that as a five-year deal, and you get to hit free agency again at age 34, 35 in baseball, 
you're just past your prime, two years past your prime. You can sign another three-year deal for 50, 60, 70 million dollars. Like his skill set too, and just his speed alone will keep him in baseball for 15 years. Like in football, if you're really good, if you're Tom Brady, you're in the league for 15 years. Mm -hmm. But if you're basically anybody else, what's your shelf life? What's your shelf life for a 6'2 quarterback, let alone a 5'9 quarterback? Well, Austin... That's just me. I, I think it'll be fun as hell to watch him in the NFL for a couple of years, but I feel like he's kind of nuts. The, the answer is... I'm not fun. Let Kyler stunt on these assholes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, man. Make, get that money, Kyler. I'm in. <laughs> he's he's going to play baseball. Relax. Let him stunt. All right. Fair. Folks, All right. It was a pleasure. Thanks. That's it. This is a long one. We appreciate you guys sticking with us. Thank you for the questions we didn't get to. We're going to hold on to those so we need to think about them a little harder. Yeah, we got a couple of juicy ones that we want to give the proper amount of time. Um, but uh, enjoy the games this week. Two really good ones. Hopefully we'll be coming back to you next week with uh, some good recaps. And um, that's about it. So for John Kirby, this has been Austin Smith, and we will catch you guys next time. See you.